This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres. He is Money Mike Gilchrist. And before we go into the absolute depression that comes with being a New York Giants fan in 2023, I have to give a shout out to Sir Burrito Banda in the chat. Couldn't wait for the show to start. For some reason, my audio wasn't working at all, but it's working now. And hello, everybody. So Money Mike, you can now take over to cover our first topic get it out of the way let's let's get all the shittiness out of the way so we can start talking about some good stuff all right so denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance those are what are known as the five stages of grief and i did not think that it would only take four weeks to go through all five of those stages when it came to the new york giants i would looked at the 40 to nothing opening game against the cowboys and that was denial. Like, ah, this is just week one. We just got punched in the mouth. That's not going to be who the Giants are. Then the first half of the Cardinals game happened, and I was angry. Very angry. I couldn't believe that this was happening. And they came back and won the game. So I bargained with myself a little bit. Like, okay, they've got something there. And then they played the 49ers. They held their own, but they got beat by a better team. It's like, okay, they just got beat by a better team. Still, you know, in the bargaining stage. Uh, then the Seahawks game last night was depression um and just over that time you know you're seeing your team in their first two home games of the season lose by a combined score of 64 to 3 and the offensive line can't block at all daniel jones has gone from being a guy who you know didn't really turn the ball over last year to being back to who he was his first few seasons being a turnover machine you know he threw five picks all last season he's already thrown six in four games uh, you know, it's like whenever he gets time to throw the ball, he just makes a bad decision. And then all the other plays, he has no time to throw the ball at all. Um, defense can't tackle, uh, special teams keeps getting penalized on every opportunity they have, you know, which is anytime they're on the field. Um, and so it's just been a very ugly, ugly, ugly first quarter of the season for my New York football giants. Brian Dayball so frustrated with Daniel Jones, he tries to show him something on the sideline for a few seconds, realizes Daniel Jones is not getting through it. I mean, he just throws the clipboard like, fuck this guy, you know? So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's bad. It's, it's bad. It's bad right now if you're a New York Giants fan. Dude, I, when I saw that footage of him just like tossing the fucking tablet and being like, fuck you, dude. Like, I don't even care at this point. That's, that's when you know shit is hitting the fan. And as you can see here, folks, uh, Seahawks won. The matchup against the Giants on Monday Night Football last night, twenty-four to three, in a game where, like Mike said, nothing could go wrong for the boys or go right for the boys in blue. <clears throat> um, shout out to Spaceman Alex in the chat says my Jones is still better. Let's not even have this conversation. He played fucking terrible too. Let's, yeah, uh, let's say, <laughs> this is just a dumb conversation arguing which of the two quarterbacks they're playing some of the worst football they have in their careers right now. Which of them is worse? I just don't know if that's worth any more time than that's needed uh, on this podcast. But I think what needs to be talked about is really just in that vein, what are your thoughts on the current situation with the Giants with J Daniel Jones? Because obviously he's getting paid a lot of money over the next couple right. of years. And then it sounds like after 
after next season, you guys will have a good opportunity to get rid of him if he continues to play poorly. Um, but the stat that I heard, the Giants outside of that second half comeback against Arizona have been outscored 114 to 15, I think it was. That is, uh, that, that's rough. Not good. So, yeah. so what, what does this team need to do to generate some offense? And if they don't, what do they need to do with Daniel Jones? So to answer the first question about the, how do I feel about Daniel Jones? You know, the thing with Daniel Jones was he had two different head coaches his first few seasons in the league. He had a decent rookie year through 24 touchdowns, 12 picks, you know, was okay. Uh, then had two really bad seasons with uh, transitioning coaching staffs. Um, and then they bring Brian Dable in and the Giants are a team that, you know, they're not jumping off the stat sheet, but what they're doing is they're not turning the ball over. They're not beating themselves. Um, Daniel Jones is really making plays with his legs, electrifying plays like that. And, you know, they start off six and one, then they finish the season three, five and one, but he plays fantastic in the closeout game to clinch a playoff spot against the Colts, bad team, then goes to Minnesota in the wild card round, bad defense and plays phenomenal. He played phenomenal in both those two games. Then go to the, play the Eagles. They get their ass beat because the Eagles were a far more talented team. So in the offseason, Daniel Jones' agents and he's are saying, hey, we can win games with me. I want a playoff game. We can build on this. And the Giants are probably thinking, yeah, you know, this is only the first year with Brian Dayball. It's only going to get better. They added talent in the offseason. And I and many Giants fans and people who cover the Giants were like, yeah, this is going to be even a better season than last year. And they have just looked – I mean, he's completely regressed. I mean, he looks – terrible i mean, now again it's not all on daniel jones the offensive line can't block for shit when you're sacked 10 times 10 times and he's been sacked the most out of any quarterback in the nfl with the exception i can't believe that sam howell for washington has been sacked more um <laughs> I, when i saw that preparing for the show i was like oh okay I, I would have guessed it was daniel jones but it's only by like two sacks but daniel jones has no time to throw the ball and anytime he has had time he just makes bad decisions which is something he was not doing before and i think he's trying to force things because he's probably so frustrated yeah. um and so the Giants were kind of put in a bad situation. They weren't going to be drafting high enough to replace him with anybody. And there wasn't anybody in the free agency market that they were going to get their hands on because it was clear that Aaron Rodgers wanted to go to the Jets. So it wasn't like you were going to get Aaron Rodgers. And the Giants were trying to build a program where they wanted to really rebuild the team. And you don't do that with someone like Aaron Rodgers because he's on his last legs, so to speak. Don't mean to take a shot at his uh, Achilles there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so really, you know, it's kind of like you mentioned to me on the podcast last year and you texted it to me today. It's kind of like when Blake Bortles and the Jaguars had that good season and they paid Blake Bortles a contract, not nearly as big as Daniel Jones contract, but they, they paid him. And then he turned back into who he had been before. Um, so I think that the giants, they need to, I, I don't know if this is happening in the play calling, but if they're play calling it differently than last year because he's now a 40 year man. Like, okay, now he's got to do some more elaborate things. Just do what you were doing last year. Like call safe plays, you know, kind of, I don't want to say baby him, but kind of baby him in a way where it's like put him in a position where he's going to succeed. And the giants are right now, they're getting off to horrible starts. I mean, the first four games, they've been outscored in the first half, 77 to nine. Yeah. So they're burying themselves. They've had two games already this season where they have an amazing looking first drive. And then yeah. it just ends in no points, whether it was because of the blocked field goal or this time they went for it on fourth and didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity with um, uh, to, to call people out for crying about the tush push play of the Eagles saying it was unfair and that, oh, they should <laughs> change the rules, get it out of the game. Nobody else can do it as well as Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, I've never been on Mac, that side. Mac yeah. Jones just fell down in the Cowboys game on top of yeah. his lineman. He didn't even try. Daniel Jones. 
he did what he had to do, but his linemen didn't even touch him. They didn't even push him. <laughs> Mac so, Jones just fell down in the Cowboys game, man. A lot of Mac Jones, and Daniel Jones blunder talk right now. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, watch the play. You'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, the Giants, but overall in the first half, they're not getting off to good starts and they're burying themselves. And Daniel Jones, I don't blame him for the Cowboys game. I really don't. He, he had no time at all with that. And the, um, you know, block field goal is not his fault. Um, the, um, the, the weather was bad in that game, and the Cowboys just really just owned them the whole way through. Um, he played great in the second half of the Cardinals game. Give him credit for that. Um, 49ers is just a better team. He didn't really do anything egregious in the 49ers game. He had one turnover near the end where, you know, you're trying to make a play happen because you're behind. Uh, but then this, this game's on Daniel Jones, even though he got sacked 10 times. You can't fumble the ball. You have to have more pocket awareness. He fumbled the ball, and the, Chief, the Chiefs, the Seahawks got the ball right on the 10-yard line. So yep. short field, the defense had actually been playing okay to that point. Um, and then you throw a pick six when you could have made the score 14 to 10, make it a one score game. And it's really a ball game at that point. It's late in the third quarter and it's a pick six. It's now 21 to three. So Daniel Jones was responsible for 14 points of the Seahawks and the, uh, the, oh, it was just fucking terrible. Uh, so again, it's only the first quarter of the season, but you have the dolphins and the bills on the road, your next two games. Yeah. So you're staring one and five in the face. And it's like, you're in a situation with his contract where it's like, well, you can't, I mean, if the Giants are bad enough to where they are a top five team in the draft, there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out of college. It's one of the heaviest quarterback drafts in a while. But the problem is the Giants have more than just Daniel Jones that they have offensive line problems. They have problems in their secondary. They need more at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, they, they need more the linebacker position. They have so many holes in their roster that just by getting rid of Daniel Jones and putting someone else in there is not going to yeah. fix the issues that they have. Um, cause I, I dare any of these great quarterbacks to have the offensive line, the giants have and see if they're going to be successful. I mean, a handful would probably yeah. do better. A hundred percent. No, I, I a hundred percent agree. When your team is that bad, it's very difficult for any quarterback to produce as well as they should. Uh, it's just when you have one of those bad teams, it, it doesn't help to just continue with a guy that you know isn't going to be able to carry your team and you know you're not going to have a stacked team anytime in the near future. Might as well try and go get that guy that could at least help you at least get into relevancy and then build around them, right? I, yeah. I think that's kind of the approach that they're going to take. But we'll move on from this game. It's unfortunate that the Giants lost this badly, but you know what is fortunate? It helped me take an even bigger lead in our picks contest, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> just, just, but I will uh, say, I will say, I will say, this is going to be a show of atonement for me because <laughs> you know, I have spent many a time talking shit about other people's teams, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Jordan Peterson. But he talks about, uh, can you even clean your room? And what that means is, why are you spending time judging other people if you can't even keep your own room organized, keep your own like keep yourself together? And so I have to just say publicly. The Giants are a shitty team, and I know it, and I own it. So if I talk shit about your team, I recognize my Giants are probably the worst team in football <laughs> as of right now. Maybe Chicago is worse, but it's debatable. It really yeah. is debatable. That's the other thing that's sad is that the Giants <laughs> may be one in three, but they might be the worst team in football four games into the season. Yeah, it's probably them, the Broncos, or the Bears, and the Broncos just beat the Bears. So, I mean, it was it was in a shit bowl. So, I guess it didn't. Uh, I don't know if Ian's in the chat, but you got to throw the Panthers in there. They're they're in, they're in that they're in our club. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably say the same. But uh, 
before we dive into the Jaguars facing the Atlanta Falcons in London, I do have to give a shout out to Spaceman Alex redeeming a compliment slash shout out one of the homies in my chat. So he said to shout out Kyle. So I'm going to give a shout out to Kyle Fisk. Shout out to Bitcoin. Oh, shout out to Koreans everywhere. You're the homie. Yeah, Kyle's a, Kyle's a, a real believer in Bitcoin. I think that uh, <laughs> he, I think if you follow him on any social media platform, he will inform you on how Bitcoin is the way of the future. Oh, and yeah, you, man. If if you don't buy in, you're a fool. That is a this rabbit is hole we will not go down on this podcast. But I, I know I, I don't know anything about Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll stick the sports here on another damn sports podcast. But I'm saying if you follow him, he'll teach you the way. <laughs> yes, he will, in many many different ways. Uh, all right. So Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of the embarrassing loss, thirty-seven to seventeen, against the Houston Texans. They faced the Atlanta Falcons in their first of two straight games. In London, uh, the first one being played at Wembley Stadium, the second one to be played at Tottenham Stadium, where I will be going to the game with Kristen. Bills versus Jags, very exciting, very hyped to preview that game later. <clears throat> but this game was definitely a get-right game for this Jaguars team that, like I said, came off of a very embarrassing defeat. Um, it, the Houston game, everybody and their mother was picking them to win that game, and they didn't even sniff a win in that instance. They got absolutely destroyed. So they turned around in this Atlanta Falcons game, uh, really kind of rode their defense to a win in this one because Desmond Ritter is also debatably one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Um, if you watched any of this game, you would agree. Fortunately, he just didn't really seem to be able to make the easy throws, wasn't really able to do what you would expect most NFL quarterbacks to be able to do in, in terms of being able to throw guys open and, and, and also being able to kind of anticipate throws more as opposed to kind of staring down a, a player and throwing late and in one of those instances he did that for us to be able to get a pick six by Darius Williams on our defense um, and, and basically when that happened it brought us up 17 to zero and that was all she wrote uh, the offense it was another kind of lackluster performance from the offense at least in comparison to what the expectations were coming into the season all four games so far this season have been way below standards of what the, an offense like this is supposed to look like. Uh, part of it, like I said, during the last week is that the offensive line is really struggling. Uh, similar conversation that you were just having with the giants. It's making Trevor rush his throws. We're ma making a lot of horizontal plays because you don't have enough time to let things develop and throw deep down the field. So uh, we, we get our uh, one of our best linemen in cam Robinson back this week. Uh, so hopefully that's going to help us going forward. Uh, when we go against the Bills. Um, but kind of just a, a good win. Bijan Robinson is a star for sure. He, he's going to carry that Falcons team to any wins that they get this season. But the Falcons still have a lot to work on, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Right, Mike? Yeah, I think that they should start Heineke because I don't think Ritter's very good at all. And Heineke, I, I've seen him play firsthand uh, whenever he played the Giants and in the NFC East. And he's a, he's a decent quarterback. He's not like a great guy, quarterback, but he's a decent quarterback who will see the field and make reads better than Ritter and I think that the Falcons are a good enough roster to win that division and so you can't sit on Ritter for too long and let the season get away from you and dig a hole in your own division so I think that they should make that change and again the Falcons are a team that don't make the trip to London very often the Jaguars are quite used to it so uh, it was Hence pretty confident this year a decade they've been going over there yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and not only that, I mean, I don't know if it's fair or not, but they uh, they they're playing in back to back weeks in London. So not only are they did they get to, are they used to making the trip, they are comfortable, and so they uh, they won pretty pretty handily in this one. I actually wasn't going to say anything 
on the uh, day of the game. But I woke up you know, after the game had started. I was, I've been kind of lazy the last few Sundays. I kind of just sleep and I don't set any alarms. I just kind of wake up when I wake up. And I woke up at like 9.45 and uh, I didn't watch any of the game until I, you know, I got up, I showered, I went grocery shopping. I turned the game on at 17 nothing, and I, I'm, you know, I'm paying attention to what you guys are saying in the chat. And then uh, as soon as I turned on the Falcons score, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, am I am I am I some bad am I some bad luck here for the Jacksonville Jaguars? But then nothing nothing else happened after that in terms of the game itself. I mean, the Jaguars got a couple more field goals and then it was over. But yeah. I was like afraid to announce, like, uh oh, I'm bad luck. I, I started watching and here we go. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a very exciting game. Uh, one of the biggest storylines though was that <clears throat> Calvin Ridley was able to get a win against his former team. Um, obviously yeah. I'm sure there, there are some interesting feelings there, maybe not hard feelings because it was his own fault and he doesn't blame anybody else, but himself for the gambling issues that he had that led to his suspension as well as the mental health issues that he mentioned. Um, so it, it had to have felt good for him though, to kind of close the book on, on that part of his life and move on officially, yeah. uh, even catching a touchdown against them as well. So, uh, happy for the Jags two and two, everybody in the AFC South is two and two. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Crazy yeah that's crazy for we're for, that's the only division that's that's like that everybody is tied at two and two going into the to finish out the first quarter of the season and uh you know who would have thought that stroud would look as good as he is with houston um the colts have actually been fighting in all their games with anthony richardson and sometimes with um the Minshew magic and then uh tennessee's tennessee they're up and down um derrick henry throwing for a touchdown and rushing for a touchdown you know so that's gonna be a race, man. That's gonna be a race. Yeah. I, I, you know, everyone was high on the Jaguars, probably a little too high, um, to be honest. But uh, and maybe people were too low on teams like Indy and Houston uh, and Tennessee. I mean, so that, that's the exact thing that's played out these first four weeks. Is that the Jags are probably a little overhyped, and Indy and Houston were underhyped, and the Titans are just as they are, boring as shit. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it is what it is. Um, I think the Jags still have the highest ceiling. Um, yeah. I, and the fact that they're still winning games, even when their offense, which is supposed to be their best unit, isn't playing yeah. to their standards, I think that bodes well for us going forward as long as they can figure it out. Yeah, you just got to make sure that when you have those division games, that they're the one, they're the team that wins it. And I know that you have it pretty spread out with when you play everybody because you play the Colts again next week, and then you're done with Indy. But then you don't play another division game until like mid to end of November. You play back to back weeks against Houston and Tennessee. Um, but then you don't play a division opponent again until the last week of the season against Tennessee. Yeah. So, you know, you got to make sure that when those division games come up, they're playing their best football because those division, given how tight the division is right now, those division wins and losses are going to separate you. Oh, so, yeah. 100%, yeah, man. It, it's going to be exciting. It turns out AFC South is actually not that bad of a division. It's probably going to be one of the most interesting ones to see who actually ends up winning it. Yeah. Um, in terms of an interesting division, move on to this third game we're going to talk about today and that was the most exciting hyped game of the week the buffalo bills facing the miami dolphins at home pulling out the win 48 to 20 in a game where the dolphins seem to have been brought down to earth a little bit obviously coming off of that huge victory against the denver broncos 70 to 20 the week prior they were coming into this and the, the conversation was all about was the bills defense going to be able to stop this miami offense and was the bills offense going to be able to stay on par with the Miami offense. But I don't think there was enough conversation about just how depleted and poor this Miami defense is. And the Bills offense were able to take take advantage of that fully. And then obviously their defense is one of the best in the league as well. So they were able to limit the Dolphins 
maybe not at first, but they were obviously able to figure it out and be the first team to uh, consistently generate pressure onto a Tonga Bailoa. Yeah, I mean, this game lived up to the hype in the first quarter where it was, you know, the Bills scored, then the Dolphins scored, then the Bills scored, then the Dolphins scored, and it was like, man, you're watching, you're thinking this is going to be like a 45-40 or 54-51 game, and then the the Bills got their first stop on Miami, and they kept scoring, and they got another stop on Miami, and they scored again, and with all the talk about the Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen being, you know, frustrated with one another, um, Diggs went off. I mean, if you had Diggs in fantasy, you had a fucking phenomenal day. He was incredible. And uh, Josh Allen played incredible too. I mean, the thing with the Bills is that they had that um, loss to the Jets where they basically self-imploded. And ever since then, they've just dominated in their three wins since. They beat the Raiders at home, and then they went to Washington and beat up on the Washington Commanders, football team, Redskins, whatever you want to call them. And then, um, you know, they play a team that's been very well hyped. I mean, a lot of people had the Dolphins, whether you're watching Fox Sports, whether you're watching ESPN, whether you're listening to the Pat McAfee show or listening to another uh, podcast like this one. You know, people were saying that the Dolphins might be arguably the best team in the NFL and the Bills spank them. I mean, they just spanked them and embarrassed them uh, on their own home turf. The Bills have won, like, I think, 12 of the last 14 against Miami. Josh Allen's never lost to the Dolphins in Buffalo. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing about the Bills showed everyone uh, in these last three games, and especially in this one, was there was talk about was the Bills' Super Bowl window opportunity closing? Was it closed? And not only did they say, no, it's still wide open. I mean, they just smashed it open with a hammer and says, we're going to run right through it. I mean, they looked incredible, and they've looked incredible this whole season. I think that the Jets game is might be one of the best things that ever happened to them because they had an entire offseason to work on their problems, and they came out and did some of the same things that they were doing wrong last year and beating themselves. And Josh Allen was like, I'm fed up with this. Like, yeah. this same shit, different day. Enough is enough. And I think could have, you know, in hindsight, we could look back at that Jets game and it might be the best thing that ever happened to the Buffalo Bills. You, uh, you can tell when you're watching the Bills play right now that Josh is playing with a lot more um, safety with the ball, a lot more cautiousness. Uh, he's not just slinging it as much as he he did in that Jets game, obviously, and even before. He'll take a sack if he needs to, which I think he wouldn't have done before. Um, so I think I think that Jets game, hopefully, and, and Bills fans are hoping for this too, is really how Josh was able to learn. Because that was one of the... that I don't think he had ever had a game where it was just so apparent that he was the reason they lost. He's obviously had a bunch of games where he was the reason they won, right? So it's like, okay, let me just keep doing that. And uh, that's how that's our formula to win. But once he finally felt what it was like for him to be the reason that they lost, you can tell that that's kind of finally what clicked in his brain. And I'm hoping that continues. Um, I know there's some conversations in sports media about how the Bills are September champs, right? We saw that. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, two, two years in a row, they've looked fantastic coming out of the gate. And everybody's like, oh, my God, they're going to win the Super Bowl. So we got to see them continue this. And for Bill's Mafia's sake, they're hoping that they don't have a roller coaster showing against the Jaguars in London and kind of dip a little bit. But there will be some excuses, even if that does happen because of the, the outside factors and then traveling and all that stuff. The other thing that seems to be helping the Buffalo Bills is that they've changed their defensive calling um, to Sean McDermott's doing the play calling now. They yeah. don't have a defensive coordinator. He was a defensive-minded guy coming into the buffalo he was a defensive coordinator for carolina i think for philadelphia at one point um 
I, I don't remember where else he's been, but he, I know he was, he was with Ron Rivera in, in Carolina. And so he's a smart defensive coach. That's why he got the head coaching job at Buffalo and he's gone to the play calling and, you know, he squared off against arguably one of the best offensive minds in football and called a great game. And, you know, Dorsey gets a lot of shit for, you know, the, the video of him freaking out when the bills lost the dolphins last year, throwing his shit all over the camera. He called an excellent game. I mean, he pretty much called a perfect game as an offensive coordinator uh, for this this one against the Dolphins, so it yeah. was huge, and, and it's, it's such a monumental win for the Buffalo Bills because if you lose this game, you're two games behind Miami in the division, and you're zero and two in the division, and you're really putting yourself in a poor spot. Whereas now, by winning the game, you have the tiebreaker potentially against the Dolphins. You've got your first division win. You have the same record against Miami, and you also have the same record against the other division leaders in the AFC in Baltimore and Kansas City for possible number one seeding. And I know it's only September, and now it's October 3rd, but you know it's only the first quarter of the season. But every game in the NFL matters significantly, and you have to be thinking about potential seeding down the road because having a team come to your house versus you having to go to them is huge in the playoffs. And I know the Bills haven't shown that they're a good cold-weather team, but they're running the ball a lot better than they have been. And if they continue on a trajectory to continue to get better in playing good defense and being able to control the clock and not turning the ball over, I mean, Bill Belichick and Teddy Bruschi and Tom Brady, you know, from that first Patriots dynasty in the early 2000s talked about how in order to be a good winner, you have to perfect not losing. And that's by not hurting yourself with making dumb mental mistakes, turnovers, um, not doing your job properly, missing tackles. And if the bills can master how not to lose, they have the talent and the ability to go really, really far and take advantage of something they haven't been able to take advantage of in the past where people like me would make fun of them for it. So (laughs) I will say I, I am definitely thinking the bills could have a different year this year, the way they've been looking these last few weeks, if they can keep it up and based on their schedule, their upcoming next eight games, they could potentially go 11 and one before they have to play a three-week stretch, which is really tough. They have to play Kansas City, Philadelphia, and Dallas back-to-back-to-back later in the year. That's going to be a tough stretch. stretch, That's that's a hell of a start if that happens. Well, this is their next eight games. Okay, They play the Jaguars in London. Then they play my struggling, pathetic New York Giants. (laughs) Then they play the struggling, pathetic New England Patriots. Then they play Tampa Bay at home. Uh, They go to Cincinnati, who Cincinnati has looked awful. Denver, who sucks. The Jets, who are not very good. And they're not going to lose two games to the Jets. Um, so then they have the Philadelphia Chiefs Dallas stretch and then they play the Chargers Patriots again and then the Dolphins in Miami so the, the opportunities are there for Buffalo to win a lot of football games and if they can carry all this momentum going into that three game stretch you win two at least two of those games they could be the number one seed in the AFC and the road to uh, Super Bowl could go through uh, Buffalo New York more specifically Orchard Park New York because the Bills don't play in Buffalo they play in Orchard <laughs> Orchard Park which true people who live in the city of Buffalo will say that's not Buffalo. <laughs> oh, Mike, jeez. Um, but hey, yeah, that's the fact that you folks are listening to Money Mike talking so brightly, so positively about the Buffalo Bills. That means there's something special brewing here, and hopefully, all of that comes crashing down next week. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Well, I know, I know one thing. If the Bills do uh, play well and go deep, let's just say they uh, – let me just say the egregious thing and, and fall for the hype for a second and say, let's say they make the Super Bowl. Uh, I know I won't be invited to watch out with you guys because Kristen will say I'm bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not allowed to watch the Bills playoff games with you guys since that whole Texans debacle. 
Dude, I don't even know what the hell is going to... If, if and when the Bills eventually do make a Super Bowl in my lifetime, it's going to be such a wild scene. Every single person at my place or wherever we are is just going to be so nervous and freaking out at every little thing. It's going to be fun. I mean, I'm excited. I, I hope it happens soon. We'll see, though. Um, <clears throat> speaking of Super Bowl, a lot of people thought that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to be perennial Super Bowl contenders and even Super Bowl favorites this season. They were very close to beating the Chiefs last year in the AFC Championship game. A lot of debates about the calls, a lot of debates about a lot of different things within that specific game that ultimately ended up in the Chiefs sneaking by and getting to the Super Bowl and then sneaking by the Philadelphia Eagles to get themselves another ring. But coming into the season, everybody thought the Bengals were going to be fantastic. And then obviously in the preseason, Joe Burrow hurt himself. So his calf injury is still lingering he's still dealing with it to this day but he's joe burrow right he's joe cool he's the guy that everybody expects to be slinging it around the field and having swag while he does it well joe burrow looks like shit and it's driving me nuts because i drafted him and jamar chase in two leagues now granted i played against him and won this week so that allowed me to win but it has to be so incredibly frustrating to watch this Bengals team as a fan right now, and it is incredibly frustrating to watch this team as a fantasy owner of their stars. And incredibly frustrating this past week to watch them absolutely take a dump on the field against the most boring and ridiculous team in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans, losing 27-3. to uh, Money Mike, what are your thoughts on the Bengals, and do you think they have any hope going forward? Well, as someone who's playing nearly as bad as Daniel Jones is Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow at least has the excuse of an injury. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, because the Bengals have looked like shit. Um, and uh, their schedule is so tough. I mean, they have to go to Arizona this week, and Arizona's been playing teams a lot tougher than anybody would have given them credit for to start the year. Then they play Seattle, San Francisco, Buffalo, Houston, who's playing much better than anybody expected, at Ravens, Steelers, Jags. Colts who are better than people thought Vikings steel. I mean, like I, I honestly think that what the Bengals should do since they've already locked down Joe Burrow for the long haul phone it in this year, just sit him out, put somebody else out there and just say, you know what? This is not going to be the year. We have a tough division. He, why risk our future and get him even more hurt? You know, cause it's a calf injury and you know what, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a calf injury over the summer and look what that led to true towards the Achilles. That's so it's like, point. do you really want, do you really want to, you're already a month into the season and usually the Achilles injury, even Aaron Rodgers is going to be back in five months. My ass, no way he's, <laughs> he's going to pull that off. Um, it's usually a year injury. So you risk Joe Burrow getting hurt even more. And then he won't even be ready for the start of next season. If he continues like this, you know, they don't look good. And he's, he's a sitting duck back there. Their offensive line is not that good. Even if he was healthy. So now you've got a lame duck back there and he, <laughs> you've got a bad offensive line. Just take, take it in the chin. It's one more, one year, you know, and regroup and come back next year. Uh, I, that's what I would do. I mean, really, they, I mean, protect your future. Cause Joe Burrow is better than Daniel Jones. I can tell you that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think uh, that's a general consensus, but I, 100% agree with you if you were looking at it from a GM Big standpoint, uh, even a fan standpoint. Um, but from a Joe Burrow standpoint, it just seems like he's a guy that just doesn't want to sit if he doesn't have to, you know, and it's it, sometimes you have to get in the way and be like, hey, we're doing this, what's be doing what's best for you. We're not going to listen to you because obviously you just want to play regardless. It doesn't matter. 
but we got to do what's best for the team and going forward like you said keeping you on the bench is the best uh option yeah um, i can respect that for him as a man um that he wants to do that that he yeah. feels like okay if i can go to work i'm gonna go to work i totally understand and respect that because that's you know how i feel about whenever i'm not feeling well in my job obviously i don't have to do the physical things that joe burrow does i'm usually on my ass most of the day but um (laughs) (laughs) what i mean is though you know i've always been taught if you feel like you can work you go to work and that's probably how joe burrow's mindset is also but if i'm the Bengals front office and if i'm the coaching staff it's like okay like let's not risk our future here because we clearly when he's healthy we're a team that's competing for championships and I don't want to lose out on that. We've locked him down for our future. Let's, and who knows if you phone it in, you might have a high draft pick and you can <laughs> add to your, your stack team. There you go. Well, speaking of high draft pick, uh, let's talk a little bit about the chiefs and jets and talk about the fiasco. That was the Sunday, Sunday night football game between two teams where one team is obviously a perennial Super Bowl favorite. And another is one that coming into this game was spiraling because of the parrot, very poor, play from their number two overall pick quarterback in zach wilson and coming into this game nobody really gave the jets a chance clearly money mike didn't because he chose the chiefs as his lock for the week um zach wilson obviously was playing statistically as the worst quarterback in the nfl coming into this game everybody's basically written him off everybody's talking about oh they need to go sign carson wentz off the street they need to go trade for freaking Jameis winston i don't know I've, i heard so many different theories out there trade for kirk cousins Colin Kaepernick wrote them a letter. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick wrote them a letter. There were so many different things coming out uh, from left field, right field, center field, uh, basically wherever you could find it. Yeah. So Zach Wilson finally took all of that, bottled it up inside of him, and used that as his motivation to finally play a decent NFL game. And the Jets were so close, this close, to getting the victory over the Super Bowl champs. But as we know, the Chiefs seem to always find a way, and they did in this game. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes had one of his worst games of his career, simultaneously with Zach Wilson playing one of his best. Uh, and also, Zach Wilson had to endure, you know, he's, you know, ever since Aaron went down, it was just like, oh, Jets season's over. Uh, like, there's no way Zach Wilson's going to do anything, and he's just been shit on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Then he came out, and he didn't play well. Like, don't get me wrong, he's earned some of the things that have been talked about. But then you have. The all-time Jets legend, Joe Namath, say, just get rid of this guy. I'm sick of him. I don't want to see him anymore as the Jets quarterback. Get rid of him. And that's got to be hurtful. I mean, it's you know, it, it not going to build his confidence in any kind of way. And this game was kind of a confidence booster. Like, okay, I can play well, and we're keeping up with the, the defending Super Bowl champs. So maybe this is something they can build off of. I do see, though, there's a trap here for Jets fans. Like, this is like when you're in an abusive relationship – and most of the time it's shitty but then there's like a little bright spot that gives you hope that things can get better so you still stay around and you buy into it and then you're just mistreated once again you know so that's kind of how i feel about daniel jones at the moment right now where he was mostly (laughs) terrible and then he had one bright spot which was last year and now he's back to being terrible and it's like oh i fell for it oh no yeah so well and and look at his stats like they're not amazing right 28 of 39 for 245 yards two touchdowns a 110 qbr so that's like a good game right yeah and i think the the best thing i heard about him this week is he earned himself another shot to at yeah. least start next week and for the next couple and, weeks and i'm telling you that's are going to be hyped up for this one because this was the game 
uh, that the Jets were looking forward to since Sean Payton came out and shit on Nathaniel Hackett's job in Denver. And Aaron Rodgers is like, keep my coach's name out of your mouth. So I feel like the Jets are going to rally around Nathaniel Hackett in this game. The Broncos look like shit. This could be a game where Zach Wilson can come out and look really good. And, that you know, the Jets' defense is legit. They're really, really, really talented. So if Zach Wilson can put up, give him 17 points, and you might win some ball games. And the toughest part of the Jets' schedule, as we said even with Aaron Rodgers, was at the very beginning of the season. They had a really tough start. But now, you know, you have the – Eagles after this week, then you play the the lowly Giants, the Chargers, who beat themselves a lot of the times, uh, the Raiders, you have to play the Bills, and you have to play the Dolphins, but then you play the Falcons, you have a shot against Houston, you'd have a shot against Washington and Cleveland, and then, you know, a second crack at New England, although New England seems to beat the Jets every time they play them. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Last 15 times, right? Yeah, so for the last, like, nine years. Yeah. Um, But at least you'd give yourself a shot. I mean, the Jets could scramble some wins together i don't think they'll make the playoffs or anything but you know keep the ship afloat and at the very least keep robert sala his job because i feel like if the jets were just to lose and lose and lose he'd get fired undeservingly so i I think he's a good head coach and man when he was screaming at the ref i was like man of all the people i would never want to get screamed at by this guy because he's (laughs) he's jacked and he's bald and he looks so angry (laughs) It's like, man, he, he could he could just fuck you up if you saw him in an alley and he wanted to beat your ass. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what he looks like. Yeah, I'm like, funny. I don't want to cross this guy's path. You know, Brian yeah. Dayball yells at you. Brian Dayball gets, he can look really angry too, but he's like out of shape. Whereas this guy, Robert Sala, could just like maul nope. you. <laughs> That's true. He's chiseled. Um, yeah, like Andy Reid gets mad at you. You just throw some like tenderloin in the other direction. He'll go chase it. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hey, don't talk shit about Andy Reid, man. He's he's a legend. Um, yeah, he he set up Taylor Swift with uh, Travis Kelsey, apparently, according to him. <laughs> oh, okay, that will be the only mention of Taylor Swift on this podcast. I know we have, we've had her picture up here, but no, I, I I will say one of the funniest things I saw from that were her going into MetLife Stadium was as she's going in through security because she's good friends with Blake Lively, who's yeah. Ryan Reynolds' wife. And someone just goes, are we just going to ignore that Deadpool and Wolverine are walking in right behind Taylor Swift? <laughs> yeah, that's more important, damn it. Um, but, Mike, I, I do have to say, there might be some uh, some kind of deniers on your Giants fandom at this point because there are still fans out there, like Sir Burrito Bandit in the chat, who say, go Giants undefeated from this point on. So I would love that. I, yeah. Hey, hey! I would love that. I'm just in a state where the Giants have looked horrible for the first quarter of the season, and they have. It's yeah. undeniable. They've looked, they've been historically bad in terms of their scoring differential. They're the only team in the NFL that hasn't gotten a turnover yet. Their defense has not caused one turnover. They're the only team that hasn't done that. That's pretty bad. That 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 is pretty shocking. Um, so, yeah, right. so, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. We won't go back into the Giants tirade here. Let's move uh-huh. on to our, <laughs> let's move on to a more positive topic. A better topic um and that's where we want to take since the first quarter is over for this nfl season it's sad it goes by so quickly doesn't it um oh, too fast yes yeah, too fast uh we want to provide our top five power rankings for both conferences and we're going to start with the nfc money mike i do have to preface this by saying i am woefully unprepared for this so as you I, are for most of these things yes so <laughs> Throughout this podcast, I've basically been trying to think like, okay, who's in each conference? And like, kind of, kind of in my head, <laughs> like 
figure it out as we go. And I think I have yeah, my final. Eagle in the AFC, Drew. Yes, yes, I yes I have to remember that. Um, but let let's go through this, and we're gonna start with number five. We'll go back and forth as we always do. Money Mike, I'll let you start first. Who do you have at number five in the NFC? So num- number five, this is uh, an atonement one for me. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I said would only win two games this oh. year. They've already surpassed that. Uh, they're near the top of the league in turnover differential. Their defense has been playing phenomenal. And Baker Mayfield has looked good in this offense. Mike Evans was having a good season. He got hurt in the last game. I don't know how, what the severity of that injury is. But so far, this the, my oh, the way I did my rankings is not about what you've done in the past and what I project you'll do in the future. It's about how you play in these first four games. They're three and one, and their only loss was to the Philadelphia Eagles. And let's be honest, that's not a loss to be ashamed of. I mean, so they've uh, they've they've been impressive, and they're in first place in their division. So I, with all that in mind, I am giving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the number five spot in my power rankings for the NFC. Wow, who would have thought? Money Mike coming into the season, talk about how bad the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be this season. Now he's saying hey, they're in the top five of their own conference. Well, I, I may have let my love of Tom Brady judge uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks <laughs> a little harsh. So I was like, oh, man, they only won like seven games with Tom, and without Tom, they're going to suck. You know? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is fair because most people assume that, especially since Baker Mayfield looks so bad in the other places that he was uh, in the last couple of years. Um, at number five, I am going to select the Detroit Lions as my number five team uh, in the NFC. Obviously coming into the season, a very hyped team around head coach Dan Campbell, uh, obviously drafting guys like Jameer Gibbs and young player, other young players and trading for David Montgomery and all of that good stuff. So obviously this roster is stacked with talent. The question was really, is Jared Goff going to continue to play as well as he did last year? And he's, he's thrown some interceptions. Now, finally he went, he had some amazing streak, of not throwing an inter- throwing interception. He's finally done that. Um, but this team is still living up to the hype, in my opinion. Amon Rossi yeah. Brown is definitely one of the best receivers in the league. Their offense is explosive. They have a great run game now. Um, and their defense is sneaky good as well. So they're an overall yeah. very stacked team, and I'm putting them at number five. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I, to, to transition, my number four team was the Detroit Lions. And they uh, – they went to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. I know that Travis Kelsey wasn't playing, and I know Chris Jones wasn't playing for the defense, but you still went to Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes, and that's impressive. Like, And you lost a game to Seattle where you kind of beat yourself. I think the Lions made too many mistakes where they, it was more of like they lost that game than Seattle took it from them. Not to shit on Seattle. It's just, you know, that's just how I viewed that particular game. And then they go into Lambeau Field, and, you know, for the most part, whenever they went to Lambeau Field, they walked away losers uh, the entire time Aaron Rodgers was there. And they beat them last year in the last game of the season, keeping Green Bay from making the playoffs. And then Jordan Love's first game against Detroit Lambeau Field, you embarrassed him and embarrassed the Packers and kicked their ass and got their head coach to get in a fight with a reporter after the game, um, to which he then apologized after and maybe sent him a fruit basket. I don't know. Uh, but, the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jared Goff has looked good. The Lions run game, Montgomery went off. He was another player if you had in fantasy this week. Um, you were probably really excited. I was pretty pissed off because I have Gibbs, and with Montgomery going off, that meant Gibbs was not going off. Um, and then, like you said, Hutchinson and the defensive line um, are getting after it. They have a good secondary, and their offensive line is spectacular. So the uh, Detroit Lions, I'm not ready to put them on the level of like uh, the top three teams yet, yeah. but I do think that they're going to be a team that could, if they're playing the football at the right time, could win some playoff games, plural games 
Ooh, there's a prediction for Money Mike Gilchrist, and holy shit, this may be the biggest development of the night. Money Mike Gilchrist has himself a fan. Uh, shout out to This Is QSL. Subscribed with Prime. Thank you so much for the subscription. And he says, let's go Money Mike in the chat. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Madden says burner account. Shout out to Madden in the chat. Uh, congrats on the Vikings <laughs> gang getting a win. Uh, they, lots of happiness around the uh, Another the Damn Sports po Podcast community, especially since the Giants lost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... You actually mentioned my number four team, and I only picked the. I was kind of flip flopping between the two of them, as uh, we were having uh, our conversations, um, and I was kind of formulating this list in my head. And you mentioned them, and that was the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I probably would have put them at number five if I hadn't just watched that game last night. So I'm probably having a little bit of recency bias, but their defense is sneaky good. Their that corner Devin Witherspoon is fantastic. He, he yeah, Daniel Jones learned who he was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. He he's gonna have he's gonna be an elite receiver in this league for a long or not receiver elite corner in this league for a long time. The run game is fantastic, which I mean I guess you always expect it from a Pete Carroll team, right? Kenneth Walker, fantastic running back. Um, and Geno Smith, I mean he continues to impress. And even Drew Locke when he came in yesterday, he looked pretty good. I mean obviously the Giants' defense was struggling after it kept being thrown in terrible positions. Um, but the Seahawks team as a whole. They, they are a very good roster. And because they had the head-to-head -head win over the Detroit Lions, like you said before, that's why I put the Seahawks here at four. Um, but honestly, you could flip the, flop them either way, and I wouldn't wouldn't argue against it. Yeah, not, not no bitterness on my end uh, The why Seahawks didn't make my top five. They were going to be – my debate for me, I knew who the top four were like off the top of my head without him really doing much research or anything or preparation. Uh, it was more of who was going to be number five. And number five was between Seattle and Tampa Bay. And the reason I put Tampa Bay above Seattle was strength of schedule. Tampa Bay has played a little bit better competition than Seattle has so far. And they have just a little bit better of a turnover differential. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give Tampa the edge right now. But yeah, Seattle is a young roster. Uh, and they really got a lot of experience last year and got better in the offseason. Um, I just didn't know if Geno Smith was going to take a step back or not. And he hasn't. And he's been good. And fun fact about Seattle is they have never lost him at Life Stadium since it wow. opened. That's including crazy. the Super Bowl they beat the Broncos. They they've never <laughs> lost in that stadium. They were I think they were six and zero going into last night, and now they're seven and zero, or they were five and zero, now they're six and zero. Whatever it is, they they've never lost at MetLife Stadium. So good for them, I guess. <laughs> well, also Daniel Jones is now one and twelve in prime time. Sorry, that wasn't really and relevant. Oh, oh, oh and seven in Monday Night Football games. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm aware. I'm aware of the numbers. <laughs> like, I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I don't yeah. remember that the game Giants are, The that Giants are also the only team to play at MetLife Stadium this year and not score a touchdown, including all the road teams that have played there. That is a big yikes. Wow. Okay, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. We're yeah. not going to talk about yeah. the Giants anymore. I could go on for three hours about the Giants. Yeah. <laughs> all right, who's your number three team? Uh, so number three is the Dallas Cowboys. I know they had that uh, rotten, you know, that, that pothole game against the Cardinals, but so far their defense has looked phenomenal and the, the way for the formula for the cowboys is phenomenal defense get the uh turn over the ball on the other team play with a lead and just keep Dak from making mistakes and just have him be a game manager run the ball and uh they've dominated the three games that they've won and they had the one game where they fell behind and lost but they just really i, mean, I know it's the giants the jets and the patriots who have all looked bad uh especially mac jones man he sucks um but uh <laughs> the, they are just, I mean, that defense is filthy. Uh, their front, their secondary, 
Dan Quinn's a great defensive coordinator and uh, they really ate Mac Jones alive. Like they ate Daniel Jones alive and like they ate Zach Wilson alive too. I mean, it's just like, man, I don't know how they lost to Arizona, but I got to give Dallas the respect that they've been playing well this first quarter of the season. Yeah. And I think if the Cowboys specifically took care of business when they were supposed to against the Cardinals as well, I think there would have been a little bit more of a debate between who's number two and who's number three, I think, in both of our rankings here. Um, yeah. But that exact fact that you just brought up, in that they've feasted on debatably three of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, not named Desmond Ritter. It's like, okay. Like, like I understand you played well against Daniel Jones, Mac Jones, and Zach Wilson. Right. Like, that, that's, right. that's great. You're supposed to be a really good defense. And then, obviously, the offense didn't need to do anything in those scenarios because the defense gave them such a cushion. Um so it, from a strength, strength of schedule standpoint, it's kind of hard to put the Cowboys too high. Um, but they are a fantastic team, and that's why I'm putting them at number three as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, from top to bottom on defense, they were much better, obviously, with Trayvon Diggs in the back or uh, in the secondary. Without him, they struggle. Uh, they will struggle more so going forward against the elite passing teams. Uh, Micah Parsons. Always a conversation of defensive MVP every single year. So he's obviously kind of the catalyst of the fact that that defense is that good. But the question is is always surrounding Dak Prescott. And unfortunately, that's just always the case with him. And that is why I, I don't have a, have the Cowboys ahead of the top two teams. Also because their receiving core has taken a step down this year compared to prior years with the loss of people like Dalton Schultz. Uh, yeah. Because clearly they're having some red zone issues and losing Zeke as well. I think Zeke was definitely their go-to back in the red zone, and that's also not helping them that in that regard as well. So I have the Cowboys at three. Yeah, I mean, again, my rankings, and I'm sure you're the same way, is I'm going based on solely these four, first four weeks. You can't help who's in front of you. You yeah. take care of business. Um, and again, the Cowboys will be tested this week and playing the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco in primetime on Sunday Night Football on NBC. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, the Cowboys defense is going to continue. That's something a deep, a great defense is something that can travel and that's something you can consistently have. It's a, whether or not in a close game, can they rely on Dak Prescott? You know, it's easy to play from ahead and just be conservative and rely on that formula that Mike McCarthy is going to call uh, in those situations, but how are they going to be when they fall behind like in the Arizona game? They fell behind and they, they just could not overcome that. So if that's going to be something that is going to continue to be a problem, then they're not going to be better than these two teams. I think you and I have the same two teams, just a matter of who we have where. Um, so I'm going to say my number two team is the Philadelphia Eagles right now. I don't think they've looked as good as the team that I have at number one. They're undefeated. They are finding ways to win. And that's really terrifying because the Eagles are not playing their best football yet. They're still finding ways to win. So once they are playing their best football, they're going to be really, really hard to stop. Jalen Hurts has not been playing great but he's doing his job enough for them to win. They've got Swift with the running game. Um, the defense is making just enough plays, uh, but they almost lost to Washington in overtime at home. Washington was the team that beat them in uh, last year and stopped their undefeated streak, but they won the game. You know, they took care of business in overtime. They won. And that's something that if you're a team that's coming off of a Super Bowl appearance and you're struggling early, but you're still finding ways to win, it kind of reminds me of Peyton Manning's Indianapolis Colts in the year they won the Super Bowl. You know, in 2003, 2004, 2005, the Colts were blowing teams out by like 30 to 40 points in the regular season. 
and then folded in the playoffs. And then in 06, they weren't really blowing teams out, but they were finding ways to win the game, building that adversity. So when they found themselves in an adverse situation in the playoffs, they were able to overcome that. So if the Eagles can do that, uh, they are a team that I wouldn't want to face. As a Giants fan, I certainly don't want to face them, and I have to face them twice. Um, but anybody that's in these top five or that's going to be in the NFC playoffs, it's going to be very tough to play Philadelphia uh, as they continue to build who they are. And I think that they're going to still be the formidable foe in the NFC. Yep. And <clears throat> there's a reason that uh, the Eagles were definitely one of the favorites to make the Super Bowl again this year. And it's because their team is just so well run offensively and their defense is stacked. And one of the main common themes throughout this entire season so far is the fact that offensive line is so incredibly important, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, all the star players aside, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, all of their running backs, DeAndre Swift, all those guys on offense, fantastic. They add to the fact that their offense is one of the best in the league. But the reason their offense is as good as it is is because they also have debatably the best offensive line in the league. And they did last year as well. That is how much of a difference that can make. And I think having a uh, offensive line like that really helps a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Allows him to not have to be that insane pocket passer that has to make super quick decisions all the time and uh, always make the right throw at the right time. He can take his time in the pocket and then escape and make the runs that he needs to make when the, the time uh, requires it. So I think as a whole, the Eagles, like uh, you were saying, by the end of the season could potentially take that number one spot. But I agree. I'm going to put them at number two solely because this past week, they obviously almost dropped a, a game to the commanders who are a division opponent, obviously. But like you said, they're not playing their best football and they're still undefeated. So yeah. the future is bright for Philadelphia and I'm putting them at number two. And I bet you a lot of Eagles fans would probably agree with this at this point because yeah. both of our number one teams both of our number one team is incredibly incredibly uh high in momentum right now with how they're playing um yeah so I'll, let, I'll let you go ahead and tell us your number one yeah the, the you know again just a quick thing about the eagles is that uh i resent them so much more uh after these first four games because their offensive line is so good their defensive line is so good and it's like god we've been trying to build an offensive line in new york for 12 fucking years and we still can't <laughs> get it right so fuck you, Philadelphia, but I have to show the respect you deserve. You are a phenomenal football team, and it's oh, throwing up in my mouth a little bit. Um, so number one is a team that is stacked everywhere on defense, on offense. Brock Purdy has not lost a game as a starter since he became the starter in San Francisco. The San Francisco 49ers are right now the number one team in the NFC. Christian McCaffrey's had like, you know, 12, 13 straight games with a touchdown. Um, you've got all kinds of weapons in San Francisco from Kittle to Debo Samuel to Brandon Ayuk, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy's just protecting the ball, being accurate, taking advantage of the weapons around him. Kyle Shanahan's one of the best offensive minds calling the plays as the head coach of the 49ers. And then defensively, you've got Bosa, you've got great secondary, great middle linebackers, hard hitting defense. Um, they're just stacked. Um, if they stay healthy, man, they're just, oof. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I could see the, you know, I, I'm still pissed about that NFC Championship game last year where we didn't really get a chance to see the full Eagles versus 49ers because Brock Purdy got hurt and it was just like, you know, sucked. it was a mess. So, yeah. yeah, it was a mess. It was a mess and hopefully we'll get that rematch this year. Um, it's definitely trending in that direct direction because like you said, the, the 49ers from top to top to bottom are incredibly stacked. Obviously, the only question 
And I know this is kind of a common uh, opinion in sports media is that is Brock Purdy the real deal, right? Because he's surrounded by the absolute best roster you can hand someone like him. And what's it going to look like? Kind of a similar conversation to the Dak Prescott conversation. What's it going to look like when their back is against the wall, when Brock Purdy needs to make a play? Will he be able to take advantage of those weapons when the pressure is on? But we haven't had a chance to see that because they haven't lost since week seven of last year. So <laughs> other than the NFC Championship game. like it, It's just, it's kind of crazy how much the 49ers themselves and their fans have probably gotten so used to winning. I don't yeah. even know what that feels like. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and it's like, you know, you're around Bills fans all the time. Like people talk about how they've been knocking on the door. Uh, the 49ers have been pounding on the door for the Super Bowl. I mean, they were there a couple of years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they've made it to the NFC Championship game a couple of times since. And they just get played with injuries and things just don't go their way in the right time frame. It's just they're, they're so close to putting it all together. So with the Eagles struggling and Dallas still having Dak to rely on in a key moment could be uh, the thing that the 49ers need to get through. But I, I, I'm not calling a prediction here. I'm just in terms of like who I think is going to win this game. I'm just saying that do you remember how the 49ers have had the Cowboys number the last couple of years. They've they're the team that have knocked the Cowboys out of the playoffs. And a few years ago, the chiefs were the team that was doing that to the bills. The bills couldn't get through arrowhead. But then the Bills beat the Chiefs in a regular season game, and everyone's just like, this is the year we're going to beat the Chiefs. And then they went and played the Chiefs again. The Chiefs beat them again in the playoffs when it counted. I could see that if the Cowboys win this game on Sunday night, that the Cowboys fans are going to be like, we're going to the Super Bowl. Book it now. We're going to buy our tickets to Las Vegas. And then they're going to play them in the playoffs again, and the 49ers can knock them out. You know, it's about yeah. when you beat them in the right time. Like, this is a big game, but it's not the game to get you to where you need to ultimately get to. Winning these games isn't a, a testament to, okay, we, we would beat them in the playoffs. It's a testament to, okay, we're on their level, right? Yeah. I, think, I think that's all that means. Um, right. when, when, if we had beaten the Chiefs in week two, the Jaguars, I wouldn't have been like, yeah, we're definitely going to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. You know, it's, it's, it's just validation that you know you can, sure. right? Yeah, um, no doubt. So uh, very quickly before we hop into the AFC power rankings here, I have to give a shout out to the chat which there is so much new york sports sadness that has been going on in this chat burrito is just yeah. kind of imploding <laughs> about the yankees and just how bad that season that was um and about how the giants suck and uh your friend this is q's l says the, the giants look like they forgot to play five o-linemen and they are the fourth best football team in new york at best <laughs> yeah yeah uh no it's so true i mean really if you're a new york sports fan right now like i I'm a Giants fan, but I'm not like New York City sports teams, everything. But if you are from New York City and that's like your livelihood is those teams. I mean, the Jets stink, the Giants stink, the Mets and the Yankees were both bad this year. Um, so you're, the team that you have to hope for that's good is the Knicks. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's just terrible. I mean, hey, hey, you know what? At least the New York Liberty are in the WNBA finals against the Las Vegas Aces. You know, there you have go. the you have the New York you have the New York Liberty to to hope for, even though the, I think they're the underdog because the the Aces won the WNBA championship a year ago, and now they have Tom Brady as a minority owner, and that's just you know going to put them over the top if you ask me. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, the Nets also exist. That's for Burrito. Um, oh well, yeah, they stink too. They're even worse. <laughs> they they had a terrible season, imploding getting rid of Kevin Durant and Kyrie. 
And I'm pretty sure neither the Islanders or the Rangers are good. And then obviously the Sabres uh, suck too. Uh, no, I think the Rangers and the Islanders both made the playoffs last year. They, they, they're they oh, at least okay. better than the Sabres. The Sabres stink. But the <laughs> Rangers, actually, the, what's funny is uh, Michael Kay, who's the voice of the Yankees, He's uh, he has his own show on ESPN. And yes, they simulcast. And it's kind of a New York sports show. Yeah. Um, and he was asked on first take, who was the closest team in New York City to winning a championship? And he thought about it for a second. He goes, Rangers. And Stephen A. Smith goes, oh, I don't want to hear about a hockey team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hockey is like, if you bring up a hockey team, it's like, okay, well, nobody's interested in that. But Well, that's how I, f- I felt bringing up a WNBA team. It's I was like, going to say, I have to commend you, Mike. I didn't even know that was happening. So I'm going to tell Kristen about that after this. She's going to be very appreciative that you brought that up. So. Yeah, New York Liberty versus the Las Vegas Aces at WNBA Finals. I don't know if the WNBA Finals is seven games like the NBA Finals. Um, I I think it might be a best of five. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I don't watch WNBA, to be honest with you. I just knew that it was happening from listening to, like, sports talk radio. Um, But uh, from people who do watch WNBA, one of the things they, they do say about the WNBA versus NBA basketball is, yeah, it's all below the rim. It's not as flashy as the NBA, but it's like good fundamental basketball. So yeah, if you're absolutely. a basketball fan, you know, I think you would enjoy it. So I, I might, if I find out when the games are, I might check out one of them, you know. Shout out to Money Mike <laughs> supporting women's sports. Who would have thought? Uh, five games, by the way. The WNBA finals is five games. All right. All right. Uh, speaking of I'll five. For New- I'll root for the Liberty because they have somebody from Syracuse playing on their team. I think oh. uh, Stewart, Brianna Stewart, that – yeah. You know, she went to Connecticut. Yeah. 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 I ended up playing against her at the, uh, the Liverpool Y and she ended up blocking a couple of us. She was fantastic. She destroyed us. So it was, it yeah. was a, it was a cool experience. Um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> all right. Drew got beat by a girl. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I definitely did. That's, that's for damn sure. Um, but so let's, let's all move the credibility on to the, I just earned, all the credibility I just earned about bringing up women's sport. I just lost I that one comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just let it all crash and burn just like Danny dimes. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, top five AFC teams. Let's move this one through this one a little bit quicker here. Um, I'm going to start here first, uh, and then, and then we'll go back and forth, uh, at number five, it's going to be a little bit of a Homer pick. Um, I am picking the Jacksonville Jaguars at number five in the AFC. And this is purely not because of the way that they played in these first four games. Like you said, that's kind of how you came to your rankings. I am picking uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars number five because of the potential that this team has. They're still getting wins. They beat the Colts and the Falcons. And unfortunately, they had some disappointing losses to the Chiefs and the Texans. But they're still getting these wins with their offense playing as a shell of what it could be so i my prediction is that their offense is going to get figured out and they're going to get hot at the perfect time and they're actually going to fly above fly up these power rankings that's my prediction and that's my hope yeah obviously there's the opportunity for it to stay just as bad or get even worse and then we're just a middling team and we don't even win the afc south that is obviously also a possibility but i think if you look at the the teams that are behind or under five in the afc uh, compared to the Jaguars, their roster is better. Their defense is good. Uh, it's not great, but it's good, and they force a lot of turnovers, and this offense has a lot to grow into. So I'm choosing the Jaguars at number five. Yeah, uh, so I did not include the Jaguars in my top five. As of Again, I went based on how they played in these first four games. And yeah. like the NFC, I knew the top four off the top of my head in terms of that those were the top four. I just had to pick where they went. 
Uh, so the fifth team, I was looking at all the two and two teams, the Steelers, the Browns, the Colts, the Texans, the Jags, the Titans, and the Chargers. And just seeing where they all kind of have been performing on offense and defense. And I was actually surprised with who I went with at number five, but I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, of those two and two teams, they're number one in yards per game, number one in points per game, and number one in turnover differential. Uh, so really for me, it was between the Cleveland Browns, who are number one in defensive yards per game and defensive points allowed. So it's like the great offensive team or the great defensive team, but the Browns are one of the worst teams in turnover differential in the entire league. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give the Chargers the edge over the Cleveland Browns in that scenario. So I'm just talking about right now. And the Chargers went toe-to-toe with the Dolphins. I mean, they were, they were pretty close yeah. to beating the Miami Dolphins, who are been playing phenomenal football, too. So they're very close to being 3-1. and one. They're also simultaneously very close to being 0-4. But they're not, you know, so... Uh, the and biggest Herbert's thing for keeping them as, like, an easy inclusion on this list for me is their coaching. Coaching no, is a business. Coach He's terrible. So, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, all right. So, at number four, uh, I am going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they are my number four pick here. And that's because, obviously, they're winning, right? They sh- I think they should have won that game against the Colts. They got kind of screwed a couple ways as i was watching that game obviously i'm a little biased because i was hoping the colts would lose that game but um there's still a team that is stacked with talent zay flowers has been a fantastic draft pick for them so far lamar jackson is playing well he's not playing great but he's playing good enough right now i think i just i don't know if i can put them higher right now because their wins have been ugly and i still don't know if i can believe in the way that they play I don't know if the way they play is going to help them down the line against teams like the Chiefs, the Bills, those types of teams. Do you think they'll be able to kind of go tit for tat with them offensively? And is their defense going to be good enough to hold them, hold those high octane offenses down? I don't know. And we haven't seen it yet, but I'm still putting them at number four right now. Okay. Uh, I have the Kansas City Chiefs at number four. And the reason I have Kansas City. Yeah, again, this is not based on legacy and or projection of where I think they will end up. It's based on how they play these first four games and who they've played. Now, again, you can't help who you're playing, who's in front of you, but you, you know, defeated the Bears. Congrats. Everybody beats the Bears. Um, they played the Jets and struggled against the Jets, who had up to that point, the Jets had not looked good. So, you know, it's a game that you barely squeaked out of. Um, and then they beat Jacksonville, but they didn't really look good in that game. It's no. not like the Chiefs were dominant in any kind of way their against defense the Jaguars. Looked fantastic. Their offense looked, didn't look good, and their offense didn't look good against Detroit either. So, yeah, yeah. Again, the Kansas City Chiefs are three and one. They could have been four and zero, oh, um, but and they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC throughout the year this year, and probably for the next few years to come. Uh, just right now, after these first four games, I think that they are the fourth playing the be- the fourth best of the teams in the AFC as we stand here today on October 3rd, 2023. Interesting. Okay. That, that is much lower than I thought you would go with the Chiefs at number four. For me, at number three, I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. Um, I know scoring 70 points against the Broncos was insanity, and everybody was like, oh, my God, this team is the best in the AFC, maybe even the best in the NFL. They should be at the top. But people failed to see or failed to see that their defense – is not good and that is a big issue right you have to have a complete team to be one of the best teams in the nfl to be at the top of these power rankings in my opinion and i think if you ask people too i know you can do this with a lot of a lot of scenarios but if the dolphins lost that razor thin game against the chargers in week one and they're two and two 
I don't think anybody would have them towards the top of a power ranking list. You know, I think a, a lot of the times is long squeaking out a win is good in the NFL because winning is hard regardless, but sometimes wins can get weighted a little too much and you kind of just ignore the negatives that came from that game. Um, yeah. so, so taking that into account, that's why I have them below one and two, but obviously this offense is fantastic. The Tyree kill, obviously their running backs, a Chan and uh, Raheem Mostert are fantastic Two was playing out of his mind. So the offensive side of the ball, potentially the best in the league. Uh, Bills fans would argue against that, and they would have a good argument. Yeah. Um, but that's where I'm going to put them at number three. Okay. Uh, I have the Ravens at number three for all the reasons that you said. Uh, one of the things I had them a little higher than you did is that they've won. They they're starting off their divisional opponents all on the road, and they've won two division games already on the road, and they were an overtime game and a sh- just a sh- inches away from winning that game against the Colts with uh their kicker missing that field goal in regulation just by a few feet. You know what I mean? So like they were, they were close to being undefeated. Um, yeah, they haven't won great, but kind of like to the Eagles, it's like they ha- aren't playing their best football, but they're finding a way to win. Yeah. And I think once they kind of put it together, you know, th- they could be really dangerous. And so Lamar might not be playing great right now, but if he starts figuring out this new offense, because again, it's a new offense there in Baltimore, new offensive coordinator who came from the university of Georgia. Um, he's got new weapons. Um, it's a different style of play for them, but defensively, the Ravens have been playing absolutely phenomenal. I mean, of the top four teams I had, they're number one in yards uh, per game allowed, uh, second in points allowed. So their defense is going to be good and only get better, and their offense is only going to get better. So, And they've also just have like, – they've played a tougher schedule than the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's why I put them above the Kansas City Chiefs because they've played better competition thus far okay. and have the same record. <clears throat> so It's entirely fair. Power yeah. rankings, it's it's there's definitely a lot of feel to it too, right? There's a lot of different sure. a lot of different parameters you can use to drive your decisions, but some of it is just like feel. And I think that's yep. why I have the Kansas City Chiefs here at number two. Um, because obviously there's been some up and down with the offense, a lot of down. Um, even even in this game against the Jets, Pat Mahomes made a couple very uncharacteristic throws that I feel like you don't really see him make. Um, but I think it's just keeping in mind the fact that they've done the same thing, like you said, with the Ravens, they've been able to find a way to win, even when they're not playing their best football and you just know, inevitably they're going to figure it out. And the defense is much better than I think people were assuming coming into this season as well. So I think that kind of brings the potential for this chiefs team to even newer heights than it was at the last couple of years. Um, so I think that's why I'm putting them at number two, partially because, they're finding ways to win and partially because they're the chiefs. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, if I was going based on like where I think these teams will end up, I would have had the chiefs at number two right now. Yeah. Uh, but I have um, the dolphins at number two because of how they've played in these first four games. And I think that right now, the way the teams have been playing, if you have the dolphins uh, playing the Ravens and the chiefs, the Chiefs and Dolphins offenses have not been playing well enough, in my opinion, to keep up and match point for point with the Dolphins offense. So the Dolphins right now, I they, they, just, they just got their butts beat in, against the Bills, but the Bills are a great team. Yeah, You know what I mean? So they were able to outplay the Chargers. They were able to certainly outplay the Broncos. And again, for the first team since 1966 to put up 70 points, that's, that's not just an overhyped reaction to that win. That was a very, very impressive win they had there. And then they went to Foxborough and... You look, Bill Belichick's still there. The Patriots have been struggling, but they went to Foxborough and won in New England. It's very tough to do, and the Dolphins have had the Patriots number the last few years, and that's been 
not something that a lot of teams can say over the last 20, 25 years. Um, so that's where I, I put Miami, and I'm guessing we both have the same number one once again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's uh, the Buffalo Bills at number one. Um, yeah. It's just, we, we've we've been saying this for a while. They're one of, if not the most complete team in the NFL. I mean, their defense is fantastic. Obviously, their offense is next level. Uh, the only other team that I think competes with them in terms of completeness is the 49ers. Um, yes. And the, bits, the biggest stark difference there, though, is... Brock Purdy versus Josh Allen, right? Um, oh, Josh Allen's phenomenally better than Brock Purdy individually, yeah, right? And the question though is, for when the Bill do, do the Bills of 49ers play this year? I don't think so, right? Um, I don't believe that they do. Okay, if no, they but were they, to, they, they play the Eagles though, right? Uh, and because this is a good conversation because they're both the number one teams in each conference for both of us. Um, I think the biggest issue in that matchup would be the Bills' run defense because obviously that's how the 49ers make their money, right, is through the run game, through Christian McCaffrey. Would the Bills be able to stop that? I don't know. And if they can't, is Josh Allen going to be able to stay on par with the way that the 49ers' offense is producing in that game? I think it would right. be a hell of a game, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the Bills right now are – one of the top offenses and defenses in the league. They're uh, top to bottom, just playing phenomenal and playing up to their expectations and their standards. So, um, you know, <laughs> I bet people who've listened to the show quite often are like, Money Mike has been so positive about the Bills. Is he just doing this because they play the Giants next week? He doesn't want us to shit on him. There might be some strategy there. I'm not going to lie. But, <laughs> no, no, I mean, since the, the game to the Jets, the, the Josh Allen's turned the ball over one time. That's yeah. it. And he's thrown... I think like nine touchdown passes um, and they've just, the bills have been running the ball better and their defense is playing phenomenal. They played a team that Miami was the number one scoring team in the league the first three weeks of the season and they held them to 20 points and they put up 48 on them. Um, so yeah, the, the Buffalo bills right now, I, I, if we were doing an NFL power rankings, it would have been a very tough debate between who to put number one, the Buffalo bills or the San Francisco 49ers. And my God, right now, if I were to say like a, a potential of all the Super Bowl potential matchups, that would be a phenomenal football game. The it San would. Francisco 49ers and the Buffalo Bills. Oh, my God. Talk about it. Just <laughs> Well, oof. and even just think about it both personally and just objectively. The Bills would be the most interesting team to make the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Like, I, like I, as much as I would love yeah. to see the Jaguars do it, like there, there's just so many storylines with the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl, both personally and just nationwide. Um, and they're just one of the most exciting teams in the NFL. So I yeah. hope it happens. We'll see. Um, yeah. I, I, hey, I, I shit on the Bills <laughs> all the time. I, I, it would still be fun to see them in the Super Bowl. I mean, it would be. It would just yeah. be, it'd be fun to talk about. Um, right. And because we, we know so many people who would get so excited about that. Exactly. I mean, I shit on the Bills all the time. But if they actually won a Super Bowl, I feel happy for, for my friends who are Bills fans. <laughs> yeah yeah I'd, I'd remind i would i would i would then do what i did to eagles uh fan friends that i have when they won their first super bowl and be like yeah you got it's cute you have one giants have four suck it but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you you because immediately if the that's Bills why i'm won, a popular man drew i i I'm, I'm that's why i'm beloved yeah yeah you plant the seeds um but no if the bills won the super bowl they would immediately all of them would text you first <laughs> oh yeah no doubt no doubt about it my phone would blow my phone has been blowing up these first four weeks like ha, the giants are losers <laughs> and you're like fair enough 
I, I, well, I, 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 I steered into the skit last night. I just, I put a post up on Facebook. I was like, look, NFL, stop putting the Giants in prime time. It's not good for anybody. Like, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, and I, I, I was excited about the potential of going to see the Giants play in person. But the way they've been playing, I'm so happy I'm not going to that game in Buffalo in a couple of weeks. Oh, my God. They're going to get their asses handed to them. And I, I didn't want to be in that stadium for that. Yeah, you would just get uh, roasted. <laughs> I, I have like this I have this imagination that I'm thinking, okay, Brian Dable coached Josh Allen, so he knows what he likes and doesn't like. So maybe that will give us an edge. But I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if it happens, it happens. Good for you. But I, I don't think anybody's going to be predicting that. Uh but speaking no. of predictions, let's uh, talk about this week's games first. And uh, obviously, big one coming up. Jaguars versus the Bills in London. And as I alluded to before, uh, Kristen and I will be going to this game. Very excited. It's going to be one hell of an experience, and I can't wait. I've been counting down the days uh, until we can finally leave to head out there. We actually have some friends who are going to the game, too. So we're probably going to try and meet up with them at, the, at an English pub at some point before the game that's gonna be cool it's gonna be a cool experience um yeah but money mike i'll let you pick this game first what do you think is gonna happen well i mean the jags are gonna be in a comfort zone situation they just won a game in london they will have been there all week whereas the the bills will have like the travel lag so i think that might help the jags get off to a good start but the bills are just top to bottom such a better team that i think that the bills will find a way to win this game it might be more competitive than it would be if it was played here in the united states but I think that the Buffalo Bills will find a way to uh, frustrate the Jags' offense as they're still trying to figure it out. And uh, I think that Josh Allen will have um, – yeah, I, I think he'll be able to tear apart the defense for the Jags. Not that the Jags' defense is bad. It's just, you know, I think that they'll be able to find a way to do it. Yeah. Um, this Jaguars' defense needs to force turnovers, which they do. They do a lot. Uh, that That's kind of how – we get by on defense isn't by generating pressure. It's, it's not by consistently playing good defense in the secondary. It's by forcing a turnover at the most opportune time. That's basically how we've been able to be successful um, over the past uh, half season or so. Um, If that happens, I definitely give the Jaguars a good shot in this game. Now, a lot of the conversation around the Jaguars having a chance is okay. The bills are traveling to London. Jags have been there for two weeks. I think the bills will figure it out. I think they will be okay. Um, and I'm going to pick the bills to win here too, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah. I was telling Kristen, like, I don't care. Like legit, I don't care if the, I'm going to be sad if the bills win, but it's going to be one hell of an experience, dude. I don't even like, I, I'm just going to soak it in. Like of it, all the places you, you've spent yeah. a lot of money over the years to watch the Jags lose in person. But this is like one that would be like, still, it's just, when you made the goal to go to every stadium to see the Jags play, or at least touch every football stadium, I don't think you thought at the time that you were going to go to London. No, I didn't. But it, it just the stars aligned. It, it, they're just there wasn't too many things right that that were kind of getting in the way of going to this, other than a friend's wedding. Sorry, Tyler. Apologies for, again for that. Yeah, I'll I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Money, <laughs> Mike will, will will send you my regards. Um, but so it was just the perfect time for us to take advantage. So we're we're both very excited. I'm excited to uh, recap the experience with you, um, a couple weeks afterwards. I don't know. If yeah, we probably won't have a podcast next week, folks, because uh, <laughs> Drew will be traveling and doing more important things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to record it with someone else, uh, but then I'll have to figure out how to post it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but all right, next game we're going to go over here is the New York Giants going to Miami. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are 
uh, I have an employee who's a Dolphins fan, and I told him, I said, I don't think the Giants have a shot in hell. And he was like, well, I mean, the Dolphins' defense is so bad, I wouldn't be surprised if your offense figures it out against us. Uh, that's coming from a very depressed fandom, you know, like, like I know things are going to get bad, which I, I found kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I do think that the Dolphins' offense will have no trouble against our defense that can't even force any turnovers. So uh, even though the defense for the Giants is what's been the only, like, positive thing overall this season, um, which is not even, like, that positive. It's just, like, the only <laughs> little bright spot. Um, so I think that this game will be very ugly and over within a quarter and a half uh, Dolphins win big, and I'm going to be quite sad. But, I, I again, in the stages of grief, I've accepted the fact that the Giants are bad. I know it's coming. I still have to sit through it. And thank God it's only the one o'clock time slot and we're not in prime time, but we will be on prime time the week after that against the fucking bills. And I'm going to be embarrassed in front of all my friends. <sighs> uh, more prime time giants. Can't wait. Uh, no yeah. additional analysis required. Also picking the dolphins. Um, so uh, let's do our eliminator eliminator picks. So obviously last week I was incredibly nervous because the Eagles had to make this miraculous comeback to beat the commanders who they are by far the better team than, but they seem to just have struggles against them for some reason. So it was almost very stupid of me to pick them to beat the commanders, but it ended up working out. And then you were forced to sweat a little bit more than you thought you needed to with the chiefs and the jets as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was up 17, nothing to start the game and you were like, yep, good, good call on that one. And then all of a sudden it just like got closer and closer and closer. And, uh, I did not think that the Chiefs were going to lose at any point. I really thought that they had it in the bag in terms of like they're they're not gonna even if it's close they're not gonna find a way to lose. And th thank God they got that really awful pass interference call on the Jets <laughs> and some misholding calls. You know they, they they definitely were the beneficiaries of some officiating blunders. Um, but you know there were referee bad calls on both sides in that game. I was gonna say that uh, that safety call wasn't right. And then, then no. I think there was one other two that was, that was Sorry, pretty good. I didn't understand that. Yeah, there um, was another call that favored the Jets that helped them out. Uh, but yeah, I mean the 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 holding calls were really bad. That offensive line for the Chiefs has committed so many penalties. Uh, I think he's been most penalized. It's not even the line; it's just Jawan Taylor, who's a former Jag who used to do the same thing for us. So I, yeah. I'm like I'm not surprised that it's happening for them now too. Yeah. No, it was, it, it was not as easy of a lock as I thought it was going to be. But I lost week one. And I have not lost since. So yeah. Oh. We're still only each, we each only have one life left, so we got to be careful. Fucking Jag. All right. Uh, so I'm guessing we're both picking the same eliminator in this week. I, I don't know if uh, I'm going to pick first because you picked first last week. Um, yep. I, I'm picking the Dolphins. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why you wouldn't, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what? Actually, I'm not picking Miami. Oh, um, wow. Even though that, okay. is, that is that is a lock game, which is Miami's a good enough team to where I can save them for later on. Um, no, I'm 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 going with the Detroit Lions over Carolina. Okay, that's fair too. That that that's an entirely fair pick. I don't know. I was just looking through the slate and I was like, I mean, I mean, just listen to how we just both just picked that game. Yeah, well, I'll be honest with you. I, I was this close. I, again, if I had two lives left, this is the pick I would have made because I do think they're going to win is the New York Jets. I think this would have been a good week to take the New York Jets off your list. But I was like, what's the off chance that this is the game where Russell Wilson looks great and the defense for the Broncos looks good? So I was like, nah, I can't yeah. do that. I, yeah, you can't throw your, your faith in Zach Wilson. Not at this point. Um, no, you can't. 
But all right, cool. So last game you wanted to pick, I know you mentioned this actually a couple weeks ago. You were that excited about this matchup. Uh, random game of the week, Dallas Cowboys versus San Francisco 49ers. You picked first last time. Um, you picked the Colts to beat the Rams, which I won that one. It was close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the Rams were 23-0 to in the fourth, and they almost lost. I was like, what the hell, man? Um, but so I'll pick this game first. As good as the Cowboys have been playing, you can't pick, pick against the 49ers if you, if you have yeah. the opportunity to. So that means you're stuck with your Dallas Cowboys. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I, you know, since you got – I would have picked 49ers, but you got to pick first. Yeah. We were alternating. So uh, Dallas – again, if Dallas does win this game, there's going to be parades in Dallas that they're the Super Bowl champions. Um, and so – Yeah. Uh, but, no, I, I, I look forward to this game. I just uh, – this is a game where I'm okay if I'm wrong. Cowboys. <laughs> I was going to say, I already have a two-game lead on you, so. I um, do think, though, if the 49ers win this game and, like, they blow them out, we're going to get that Stephen A, you know, panel with his phone, like, and then he starts laughing at the camera. That, uh, oh, the most fun thing about Cowboy losses is when Stephen A just shits all over them. Yeah, no, that, that's entirely true. Um, all right, Mike, well, there's one more thing I know you've been dying to talk about. You're wearing a Boston Celtics t-shirt. We have to give some NBA updates. I know this is a little bit of a longer show. These power rankings shows always end up being a little longer. So hopefully you enjoy the extra content for you folks this week. Um, but obviously some big news coming out of the NBA for two big teams, two uh, NBA finals contenders in the Eastern yeah. Conference. And that is the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll talk about the Celtics first. Signing Drew Holiday. There you go. That's a big signing. Yeah. It was huge. I mean, when he was traded away from Milwaukee, um, I was like, oh, no, because I knew that the other teams in the East, their contenders were going to go after him. Uh, the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, even the New York Knicks were going to be contenders to try to make a move to trade with the Portland for him. Uh, but I saw that Boston was in the mix and I was like, OK, I don't know. We'd have to give up to get him, but I uh, I'm for it. If it's, you know, obviously we're not going to give up uh, Brown or Tatum. Yeah. Um, and so we and we lost Marcus Smart. So it would be good to kind of get a good defensive guard. Um, and so when I saw the news, I actually, we were, I was watching the Jags uh, Falcons game when the news broke. And I literally shouted out loud in my apartment while I'm sitting there by myself, like, yes, this broke. Uh, and then I was sad that we had to trade Robert Williams away. Uh, obviously one of our great interior defenders, but you know, as I was sad about that, I also like the reality of him is like, well, wait a minute. He missed so many games last year. I think he didn't play in like 60 regular season games and we were still one of the top teams in the East. So you know, it sucks, but we traded uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who was sixth man of the year for us last year, but he had kind of heard that he was used as a trade piece in t conversations, and he didn't really like that, so he didn't really want to be in Boston anymore after that. I think he yeah. kind of felt betrayed. Um, and so, look, all right, dude, it's it's a business. You were in trade packages. Uh, you found out about it. That sucks, but now you're going to be playing for a team that's not even contending for a championship. So is your life really <laughs> that much better? I don't think so. Um, well, exactly. So, but also, you know, again, by getting Drew Holiday – not only was it good for us, but it keeps him away from Miami and keeps him away from Philadelphia and, and the Knicks. So we keep ourselves to compete with the Milwaukee Bucks, who made the big trade for Damian Lillard, which set Drew Holiday on the market to begin with. So I, I was thrilled because I was really, when I saw Damian Lillard traded to the Bucks, I was like, ooh, I think we could still compete with them, but that, that's going to make them really, really tough in a seven-game series. We've been so neck-neck -neck with Milwaukee the last two years we've played them in the playoffs. Uh, well, we didn't play them this past one, but the two seasons before that. So, yeah, it, yeah uh, this really helps us out. And Drew Holiday is going to be going off in those games against Milwaukee. Let me tell you, he's oh, going yeah. to go off. 
yeah, the, you guys are going to have a fantastic starting five. The only thing that I, I worry about is, like you said, getting rid of Robert Williams. I, I heard today that the only person that's taller than 6'9 on the team now is KP Porzingis. Right. And so you I, hopefully you guys will be able to find someone to, to fill in that, that five spot that's going to be able to be an impact player, get you those boards, and play defense. We'll just talk Blake Griffin out of retiring or get Dwight Howard. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, go out and sign Dwight Howard. That actually could work. Um, but no, I'm excited for you. Obviously, the Damian Lillard news going to the Milwaukee Bucks. That's that's massive as well, man. I mean, those are two of the best players in the NBA teaming up together with an already stacked roster. It's uh, it's going to be a two-man race in the East is my guess. Right, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think the Miami Heat would have something to say about that because they, they would be like, we we beat both of these teams in the playoffs. And Jimmy Butler was real butthurt when he found out about the news because Damian Lillard said he wanted to be traded to Miami specifically. Yeah. And so when he found out they were traded to the Bucs, he's like, I think they might have tampered. It's like, no, they didn't, dude. They just didn't, you know. I hated the fact that he went to the Bucs because I didn't want him to go to anybody in the East uh, for the Celtics standpoint. But I was actually happy that a player made a request to go to a specific team and, and they were like, well, we'll do right by you by sending you to a contender, but we're not going to necessarily send you where you want to go. You don't have control over this. We do. Yeah. I love that because the NBA players have so much freedom. In my opinion, they have too much of it. So I love the fact that it was like, you want to go to Sunshine, uh, South Beach, Miami? No, we're sending you to fucking Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Bring a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely didn't get his way from a, a beautiful weather standpoint, but he got his way in terms of a contender standpoint and i'm sure he's still happy about it as he i saw that he came out and said that he's actually looking forward to the opportunity to play with someone that's better than him and that's yeah. that was a great thing for him to come out and say because then there that takes away all speculation of oh how how is dame going to respond to not being the number one dog anymore you know yeah uh now that he's yeah. gonna be playing with Giannis, it's going to be a hell of a duo and Giannis is such a likable superstar that like i i i have a we have a rivalry with the bucks the last few years but i don't like spite them if they yeah. beat us it's like you know they're a good team they play basketball the right way and uh Giannis is a likable superstar and dame dame is a likable superstar too so in a kind of way i hate the fact that they're so likable it's like oh, fuck, i want to hate these guys but you <laughs> yeah <know>. yeah <laughs> right exactly you're gonna have to respect them while you guys while your teams play each other well mike i know you're excited for the Celtics season to start as soon as possible because of Dude. the woes of the Giants, right? Yeah, I mean the Giants have been so they're not even fun to watch. Like it's not only it's not only are they not they're not winning, they're not even fun to watch. Like it's not even, I'm I'm suffering through watching their <laughs> games, and I'm like the Giants. By the time the NBA season starts uh, the end of this month, I'm like the Celtics will win their first two games of the regular season, have more wins than the Giants have had, and they've been playing since September. So. <laughs> Oh, the sadness of rooting for a bad team. I know it all too well, my friend. But but it, it's polar opposite right now. The Giants are bad, but the Celtics are competing for it. They're, they're like one of the few teams that people are like, they could win the championship. Yeah. So I'm really, I have one sport where I have a team that's a championship contender and the one team that sucks ass. And the Red Sox also suck ass too. So it's like, yeah, I have two teams that really suck. Uh, but I have one team that's great. And like, I have that. Like, you know, the sun came up today. I have a team that's great that's going to be starting their season in the future. Syracuse basketball might be better than they've been in the last few years, hopefully. So, you know. Syracuse we'll football just lost, but it's all right. Yeah, but Syracuse football always starts off strong, and then they – I don't invest too much emotional energy in Syracuse football. Yeah, which is fair. That that was a rough game to watch, uh, them losing to Clemson this past weekend. Um, All right. Well, I think that's where we can call it. Nice, good show, talking about the current state of the NFL after the first quarter. 
Uh, yeah. I think our takes were spot on. I think they were perfect. I don't think anybody could ever have any arguments against any of the takes that we made today. Uh, Mike, would you agree? Especially about Daniel Jones still being better than Mac Jones. Uh, <laughs> that's the most ridiculous one, argument. I'm telling you, dude. Like that, <laughs> literally yeah. nobody cares about Daniel Jones versus Mac Jones except you and Alex. <laughs> it's, well, it's all right. It's all right. Well, uh, one final thought I just want to share is uh, just rest in peace to Tim Wakefield, legendary Red Sox pitcher. He was very well known for his knuckleball uh, that nobody else could perfect like he did. Uh, just a really genuine guy. He was beloved by all of his teammates and even by competitors. Uh, died at the age of 57 to brain cancer. Um, one cool story about Tim Wakefield is that he had been going back and forth with injuries in the 07 postseason when they won the World Series against the Rockies, and he actually took himself. He went to management and took himself off of the World Series roster, active roster, and the guy they replaced him with was the pitcher who won the final game of the World Series for us. So, but you know, if you're going to, and he, you know, he was a guy who had name recognition. He was one of the leaders of the team. He was going to be on the World Series roster for that alone. And for him to take himself off for the sake of somebody else having an opportunity to go and have their moment too, not everybody's capable of doing that because everybody wants their shine and their recognition. So that's something that that was just the reflection of the man that this guy was. So never met him personally, but I always respected him. Was always a fan of his. So uh, prayers to his family and friends and uh, former teammates. Uh, and for Boston fans who he uh, he touched over the years. Shout out to Tim Wakefield. Shout out to all of the legendary Red Sox, former Red Sox players out there. Hopefully the franchise can turn it around soon. Shout out to all of the legendary listeners and viewers of another damn sports podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us every week as we add to your weekly lineup of sports radio shows, I guess you could call us. We thank you so much. I am Drew Torres. He is Money Mike Gilchrist. And enjoy week five of the NFL season. I'll see y'all when I get back from old London. Take care.